0: Cyber24 is presented by our friends at Valcom. Valcom is a Utah-based IT solutions and services provider with a drive for getting IT right. From ironclad security to computing and beyond, Valcom's 35-plus years means they have the experience and the expertise to help your business from desktop to the data center. Check them out at blcm.com. All right. Welcome into the Cyber24 podcast, another episode of the weekly pod dedicated to helping business and governmental leaders better understand the often intimidating topic of cybersecurity so you can make better decisions to keep your organization safe. My name is Marty Carpenter. And in this episode, we take a little bit of time with Tyler Moffat. He's a senior security analyst at OpenText Security. He's been on the pod before. Glad to have him back. OpenText Security has released its 2022 Nastiest Malware Report, and we discuss top threats facing small businesses and average Joes. We also dive into what Tyler is seeing as the most interesting new tactics hacker groups are using. Hope you enjoy the conversation. Just tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about OpenText Security again, if you would.
1: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been with... uh... OpenText, we were bought out originally WebRoot, then Carbonite, and OpenText uh, for about 12 years, my journey um, in the direct working for security vendor space. Before that, worked at Geek Squad for about five years. So I've been in you know tech, repairing, computer, InfoSec, if you will, for um, over 15, 17 years now, um, and thoroughly enjoy it. It never stops, never keeps changing, and uh, this year is no different. Yeah. Uh, and there at, at OpenText,
0: you guys do this regular report, the nastiest malware report. You just released the 2022 version. I'm wondering if you can tell us what are the the top threats facing
1: small business? What did you learn from that report, I guess, in, in general? Sure. Yeah. So we do it every year. Um, we've been doing it for probably about four or five years now. It's always fun to do. goes well with Halloween. We have a sort of a Halloween theme with all of our... If you, if you check it out on our website... Um, a lot of the uh, personification, if you will, of malware. It's always difficult to do. Big shout out to our creative team to, to, to do that. But um, yeah, we, we basically take a look at what was the the nastiest malware of the year and then sort of talk about them. And so, of course, no, to no surprise, uh, Emotet is uh, on our list. And I, w- I would say number one, just because it came back with a vengeance. Um, Emotet is like, I would say, the the first stage. Um if you will, in a malware campaign, it's con- it's just contracted. It's used so widely by so many different ransomware campaigns out there. Most people, when they're hit with ransomware, they jump up and down and scream about the ransomware payload, and to for good reason. That's the one that's locking their files away, threatening to leak it, you know, all that stuff, charging ridiculous ransoms. But the reason why that they were even able to make it onto the box or into their environment is because of this first stage of Emotet, which is so. Well done they're basically just a botnet they send billions of spam emails out every day hoping to get some you know people to fall for it and be the first box that's infected in a network and they're so good at it that literally all the different types of flavors of ransomware families out there contract emotet uh emotet's the most successful out there and i guess the reason why i think it's the nastiest is because it it's very resilient um it has had its fair share of shutdowns before in fact In nastiest power 2021, what's funny is at the time in November of 2021 or October, um, Emotet had been shut down most of the year um, through government agencies and actually a lot of uh, work together, like Interpol... Um, there was a lot of, uh, servers in Ukraine taken down, um, with some cool videos on it, but obviously they came back, but we had publicized that Emotet was shut down and we were celebrating like rest in peace, rest in pieces. And, uh, we're never going to do that again because they came back and, you know, it bit us in the butt from a creative standpoint, because you can never celebrate any of these malware shutting down because they'll just come back like zombies.
0: Yeah, uh, what's the Greek monster that you cut off its head and it grows back? The Hydra, I think. You Hydra, cut off one head and it grows back three more in its place. That uh, that sounds about like the the way it goes. Now, would that take the top spot on the list for for threats facing small business and sort of average consumers, or does it? Uh, do you kind of do you aim that at one specific group or another? Or is it just sort of in general?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So I would say in general, yeah, I would have Emotet out there. Um, It's difficult because, you know, we have ransomware and this is not a ransomware payload, right? Its job is to just be, make it onto the box, create that first foothold in the environment, which then leads to ransomware, but you can lead to something else if you want. Um, We did see, you know, a year or two ago, Um, crypto mining payloads that would use Emotet to spread. Um, And so it's just a very useful way to make it onto the bots to, to make a breach start. And then from there, you can do what you want. Now, obviously the most common popular business model for criminals is going to be ransomware. Um, So that's why I would have it in top spot, just because it's used by everybody, because it's so effective um, at being the gain a foothold, right, to compromise the first box with whatever you want to do with it, whatever you have in mind. I mean, I wouldn't doubt that if... Things progress further with, uh, you know, Russia and Ukraine, and we start seeing really nasty cyber attacks like we had seen back in um, 2017. Want to cry, not petya was really nasty, happened on a Ukrainian holiday, attacking specifically Ukrainian infrastructure. Um, we haven't seen any of that yet. We may see some nasty cyber attacks like that. I wouldn't be surprised if they they used an Emotet payload to be the first stage, if that makes sense, um, when in their attack that might result in something completely different as the final stage payload. I have no idea, but. Um, emote is just so effective at being that first stage that it takes, in my opinion, the, the top spot. I
0: may have accidentally named a great uh, threat Hydra. Like someone should, someone should have a malware called Hydra, right? Like this probably already. That's that's ex- done. <laughs> someone's <laughs> probably come up with it already, but if not, I'll take credit for it. And all I ask is that you don't attack me. You know, eh, <laughs> if you're going to use it, it exists. Ah, <laughs> oh, somebody used it. All right, well. Then yeah. at least we know that it was was a good name, uh, for one.
1: October <laughs> 2021, they were in the news.
0: Oh, okay. Well... Germany's it... second
1: largest bank is what they got. Hydra Malware.
0: Oh, well, there you okay. go. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was on I was on the same lines as, as their marketing team, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so what do you think are the most interesting new tactics these bad actor groups are using?
1: Uh, Yeah. So one thing that we saw that was different or a new trend, which... know don't get excited because it's bad news um but lockbit has decided to go um triple extortion now those of you that are going triple extortion what do you what's double extortion so double extortion has been a recent you know, trend that we've definitely seen happen. And every major ransomware campaign is doing it is so everyone's familiar with ransomware, lock away the files, and then charge money for the key, you need the key to unlock the files, only the person with the key can do it. Otherwise, it's considered gone forever. And that's ransomware, the business model is tried and true, then they introduced double ransom or double extortion, which was, even if you're not going to pay the money for the files for the key back, um, because you have good backups or for whatever reason you're gonna you're going just nuke and reload whatever it is we'll just threaten to release the data leak it on the leak sites on the dark web um, so that way you take dan to, uh, damage to brand and reputation and, and and you know you know you have to basically if you wanted to not have fines imposed by you by gdpr and ccpa you'd have to make sure to make an announcement to your customers and partners and all oh, that's a big It's a it's a big to do. It's not something you want to do. And so in many cases, it has actually prompted businesses to pay the ransom just on the leak aspect, um, even if they were maybe adequate and fine to move on with their own backups. That's the double extortion that I explained just now. And that's been going on for a couple of years, two to three years, two years for sure in full full trend. Everyone's doing it. Um, But now Lockbit, the most successful ransomware of this year has added a triple extortion. And what they are going to do is in addition to those things, what they're going to do is they're going to DDoS. So not only will they threaten to leak and lock your files away, they will DDoS your website. So you can't handle any customers or or e-commerce. If you have a website where people purchase from, Um, they're literally, or if you have a business, they're going to make sure that, you know, none of your employees can even work um, and, and handle the, the, the day-to-day's operation of your business is essentially going to reach a, a halt, and uh, it's interesting story behind how, how this even happened too. Apparently, Lockbit had compromised a um, a, a a company called Entrust, um, and uh, they had you know e- Entru- they were going to leak the data, and Entrust didn't like this and decided to hire DDoS against Lockbit's infrastructure to prevent them from leaking it. And apparently it was effective enough um, that Lockbit was like, okay, I have felt the power of this and now I'm going to use it. And that's verbatim the type of words that the Lockbit um, uh, affiliate or had, we don't even know if it's the mastermind, but at least on a hacking forum, somebody representing Lockbit said that they had felt the power of of DDoS through this and decided they're going to go ahead and offer it. So it is, is nuts. So extortion, double
0: extortion, and triple extortion, and we don't even want to know what could come <laughs> next after that. Yeah. I don't know what quad is. I don't want to know. <laughs> um, so how did this year's report, this nastiest mal- malware report, um, compare to previous years? You say you've done this for about five years now. How, how does this one compare? What trend or some noteworthy thing are you pulling from it?
1: Uh... I, I mean, I hate to go this route, but it does really feel like, you know, to bring doom and gloom, it does feel like it's getting worse. It's getting more effective. The ransom amounts keep going up and up, um, even if we see a little plateaus. Um, so j- just to give you an example, um, we did have, I think, late last year or, or earlier this year, ransom payments were right above 300,000. And now they've leveled out at around uh, 225, almost, almost a quarter million for the average ransom payment to be paid. Um, and that may sound like a good thing. Hey, it's down from 300, but literally look back to last year's ransomware, nastiest ransomware, where it was, uh, the peak was 200,000 and it was just below 150,000. And then you look back a year before that and the average was like 50,000. So what's it going to be next year? Is it next year? Oh, Hey, look, you know, it peaked at 400,000, but it looks to be in the good trend of, uh, you know, only 350 or 320,000. I hope that's not the case. And that's not where we're heading, but it it does look to be that the numbers keep going up and up at greater levels than inflation, um, and it's it's definitely very different. An- another one to bring up, which is I think the biggest maybe that we're going to find out is if it's a full trend come this new year because we don't have the data yet, but just to explain um, the beginning of this year. So typically there is a ebb and flow to the calendar year and malware attacks. Specifically, I'm talking about phishing now. So obviously April, May are pretty big. May is pretty big for like tax season and people filing taxes in April and May um, and tax refund stuff, you know, what you're going to do with your money. Um, and then obviously October or November, huge um, for coming into the Christmas season. Also, every even year, it's election season, very big as well. Um, but what you usually see is the first two or three months of the year, January, February, March, and a little bit of April, um, it's almost dead. Now, it's not completely dead. Obviously, there's still malware going around. But for the most part, the biggest ransomware games, this is sort of their holiday. Hacker holiday is what we used to call it, where they go on vacation and you just see a lot of less activity, if that makes sense. From the command and control servers mm. to phishing, you name it. And that didn't happen this year. So in the first four months of this year, we actually saw about a 9 to 10x increase on average of those first four months, January, February, March, April um, of 2022. And so we don't know for sure yet if this is a trend that's going to continue because we don't have you know 2023 data. Um, we're going to keep an eye on it and see if that's, that's what's going on. But historically, you could rely on these sort of downtime in the calendar year to, to not be as active for, for fishing. And that didn't happen this year, And which is, again, doom and gloom, kind of sad that they, oh, they're ramping it up in every sort of corner. Um, They're not really giving a break or, or, you know, loosening that squeeze that they have. And so we hope that's that's not a trend that continues, but we're going to keep an eye on it.
0: You've all seen the headlines. Every 39 seconds, there's a new attempted cyber attack in the U.S. As the threat landscape becomes more complex, the need for security operations is greater than ever before. It's time to put experts in your corner. For something as important as your organization's security, having a named engineer and analyst paired with you is critical. Arctic Wolf is a leader in security operations, utilizing a cloud-native security analytics platform to deliver security operations as a concierge service. Arctic Wolf's Security Operations Center as a Service is always on guard with security experts monitoring your environment 24-7. Don't become the next headline. Learn more about Arctic Wolf's redefined cybersecurity approach at VLCMtech.com/slash Arctic Wolf. That's VLCMtech.com slash arctic W O L F. Listen, CISOs, we know how hard it is to manage your security posture. With often dozens of different security technologies that vary in process and application. Wouldn't it be nice if you had security baked into your actual server hardware? HPE's Gen 10 servers offer exactly that. As Utah's biggest HPE Platinum partner, Valcom believes that your server infrastructure should be your strongest defense. Protect your enterprise with innovations in firmware protection, malware detection, and firmware recovery right down to the silicone. Learn more about the servers that transform your business at vlcm.com slash gen10. That's vlcm.com slash gen one zero. So walk me through again the hacker holiday. Which which time periods of the year are the most uh, intense, I guess, for the
1: activity? Okay, for the most intense, big spike in May. um, I would say about 50% um is, is in may as far as like representative of the um what would be the highest what the 100 percent? so if you have something that's that's taking the highest share would be november and then about half of that so uh, it would be may may and november but obviously november is far and away the the largest um but it's still a really large spike um we mm-hmm. would see like Um, less than 10% um, in January, February, and March and April combined. And um, May would spike really bad. And then uh, October, November really picks up. October is almost as large as May. And then November blows everything out of the water. Yeah. That's that's historically.
0: You know, in in sports, they say like championships are won in the off season. So like on those times when there's not a spike in activity, are they laying the groundwork? Are they hitting the gym, so to speak, to get ready? Like what are they doing in the off season?
1: that's good optics. And a lot of people have speculated and talked about while they may not be attacking right now. Um, and me, people thought that they, and a lot of the times you'll see that they'll, they'll post to like social media or hacking forums, sort of like their vacation and what they're buying and things like that. But absolutely. Why wouldn't they be improving on their infrastructure and making sure that it's going to be even better than the previous years? Cause it's, it's a constant cat and mouse game. You know, they have to be on their game to make sure that, um, you know, they're evading and getting through. Yeah.
0: So based on the findings, what steps should security professionals take now to prepare for the new threats of 2023?
1: Uh, Yeah. So when it comes to businesses... um Obviously your weakest link is your your users, making sure you educate end users. And I know that's something everyone's gonna hear and has heard for years, but it's very important. I don't just mean the standard once a you know a year or even twice a year standard like training where it's like, what is malware? Or here's some examples of phishing, pick them out where it's the obvious, easy pick answer. Like I'm talking full on, at least once a month, phishing simulation where you're actually holding your employees accountable and have like sort of a program built into where if you have employees who fail that phishing simulation, then they get retargeted next week. You know, you don't give them a break or like, okay, all right, they failed. Nope, you keep retargeting them until they get it um, in that campaign. And if they don't get it, um, and you know that every single time they keep failing and clicking on the link and entering their info, then you know, you've got a problem here. You've got somebody who you know in a real-world scenario will fail that phishing. You know, uh, they will give over their info. And so what is it exactly are they handing over? Is, it better not be the keys to the kingdom. Have a little bit of access control. To my next one, have some access control. Um, we had, you know, I think, talked briefly about, or maybe we didn't, the um, Uber breach that happened recently. That was embarrassing for Uber because it was one employee who got compromised and then it led into sort of God mode that in one employee's computer was on that one computer that the hacker got into. They were able to map a network drive and on that network drive was a PowerShell script with the admin credentials in it. And so then they were able from there to gain access to everything. It's like, that's what you don't want. One computer compromised, destroying or allowing access to the whole network. And that's essentially what you wanna make sure you have implemented some level of access control for sure. And top of educate end users and then also not leaving the door wide open this one's probably for the smaller businesses out there because the bigger ones are going to be like well yeah of course we're not doing this but locking down RDP um, I recommend using a you know premium solution that encrypts the traffic has two-factor authentication things like that they're not expensive but uh, usually the biggest reason why you have businesses using the built-in Microsoft RDP is because it's free it's built in you just go type in remote desktop and turn it on and it works and it's like okay but If you're just doing that at defaults, you've got two major problems right now is that anybody can scan and find, you know, you speaking the RDP protocol, uh, and we'll, we can request a connection to that computer now that you've turned it on and it'll ask for a username and password. And this is where people feel they're safe. But again, defaults, if you're just on defaults, it allows unlimited number of login attempts. So they're going to brute force. Very popular. Has been going on since like 2016. I think that's probably its, its most deadly years, 2016 and 2017. And it's getting better and better. But it's still such a large amount are still vulnerable right now. Um, and scannable like using Shodan.io and these tools uh that is still like the second most uh it's the second most effective way to compromise and results in ransomware beyond the emotet phishing type stuff um so it's still relevant to talk about um you know here we are six five six years later i can't believe it but it's still a big deal yeah uh, a report like this is really uh,
0: helpful and gives good perspective to. I'm sure your customers, clients, other people in the industry. I'm wondering what is it that um, you gain? How do you how do you benefit? You know, often you learn so much more when you're putting a report together. Teachers learn more than the students because they have to prepare the lesson. What is it that you learn from putting this report together every year? And how is that advantageous uh, for you and for OpenText?
1: Sure, um, I get to learn a lot more about all the different types of malware out there if maybe my hobby or focus is one specific type or certain family that i'm following or i have um passions in crypto i'm always following crypto miners i get to sort of see the, a lot of it and i, I had learned a lot especially for my research team when i was pulling this out uh valeria or valeria is a, a, another malware out there and this one's you know really interesting because it used to just be a banking trojan that turned into a mouseband botnet um, you know, with email attachments into malicious scripts. Uh, But what's, you know, difficult by, with Valeria is by its design, it invades detection because of the sheer number of pieces altogether designed for the next stage of malware. So out of the macros that they have, one might create scheduled tasks, another might Uh, Run services to run simple commands or process threads or injection methods, um, debugger evasion and mouse and keyboard hooks, like a whole bunch of crazy little stuff that you never would have expect just just to try and pull. They're all trying to pull the one same single payload, but because it's spread out so well and effectively that even if you were to catch you know like ninety nine percent of them, it doesn't matter. That one percent will still catch and persist and you know get that one payload. There's (laughs) what's that that uh quote from uh Jurassic Park life finds a way it does feel like Bauer finds a way (laughs) in, in these in these sort of uh environments that we're looking at and Cobalt Strike is growing very well I thought it was just Cobalt Strike was the only one with the whole, um, we've got a white hacker pen testing tool. And so criminals will pretend to be a red team, make a fake shell corporation and go to Cobalt Strike, get this legitimate tool that's already built for hacking and then use it in ransomware campaigns. That is now growing, that is growing, that's a full fledged trend. And so we've seen Brute Ratel, another um, legitimate tool that is meant for red teams and pen testers. And so that's another area that's growing now too. Um, And so it's, yeah. Doom and gloom type stuff. It, it, it keeps getting like, there's never been a better time to be like a cyber criminal getting involved. If that makes sense, like to start operations, it's, it feels like it's easier to get in the game of being that or doing that. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Uh, really interesting stuff. I'll I'll get you out of here on this. If uh, people want to go take a look at the full report, this uh, nastiest malware report of 2022, uh, where can they find it, and uh, and how do they, you know, get in touch with you if they want to m- know more about it?
1: Absolutely, yeah. Um, so I actually run the community. So the website is community.webroot.com. And on our homepage, we have the nastiest mower. You can take a look. we have got my write-up on there. We also have a nice infographic with some cool, you know, details on it. That's all cool and flashy along with some recommendations. Um, but you, that's also how you can also get in touch with me as well. I run that community. Any, you want to open up a, send me a message. You want to open up a thread and start talking about InfoSec stuff. We've got a cool one going around right now talking about the dumbest uh, IoT device you've ever talked about, which has got like 22 responses already. So interesting stuff to talk about, you know. Try and, try and bring some fun and light into talking about tech. It's not all doom and gloom. Yeah. Well, when you get a consensus on that, you'll
0: have to come back and talk to us about the dumbest IoT device. That would be an we've, interesting topic. We've got some cool ones for sure. <laughs> Hopefully it's nothing I've got sitting in my office at all, but uh, <laughs> I guess I guess we'll find out when you come back on and tell us about it. Sounds good. <laughs> all right. Uh, Tyler Moffat is a senior security analyst uh, with OpenText Security. Tyler, thanks for being back on the show and we hope to have you again sometime soon.
1: Thanks for having me on, Mark. That'll do
0: it for this episode. I want to thank our sponsors at Valcom. At Valcom, you get much more than a dedicated IT retailer. They become an extension of your IT team. Whether you're a startup or an enterprise, Valcom has the technical sales and engineering expertise to make your business more effective and more productive, check them out at VLCM.com. That's VLCM.com. Special thanks as well to our supporting partners, the Utah Division of Technology Services, the Kem C. Gardner Policy Institute, the Utah Attorney General's Office, the Utah Department of Public Safety, and our friends at Secuvant. A reminder, you can follow us on Twitter at Cyber24 underscore, or you can hit us up on Facebook as well. We want to hear from you at either place to let us know what you think or if you have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss on a future episode. You can also rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. We love those five-star ratings. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week and stay safe online.